Welcome everyone to The Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. I want to wish you a big happy new year. It's the first episode of 2020. Took a little bit of time off around the holidays, got to spend some time with family. I also got to celebrate my first place finish as the most accurate fantasy ranker in 2019 out of 130 or so analysts who took part in that Fantasy Pros competition. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know how much I've been gunning for that. So definitely had to celebrate. I didn't go full Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. I mean, I wasn't drunkenly swimming and dancing in fountains anywhere, but maybe not far off on a couple of those nights over the holidays. Either way, we're back at it now. I've already released my early rankings for 2020, and that's what I want to go over with a little more depth today, give you some insight on how I feel about certain players, who I'm planning on targeting, and some of the players that I'm actually already thinking about avoiding next year unless something changes. And that is very important to mention. We are so early in the process here. We still have teams hiring coaches. I love that Matt Rule hire for the Panthers. That is a great, great hire there. Very excited about that one. And we're going to discuss the coaching hires, the coordinator hires, all that stuff on an upcoming episode once they're all done. We'll also help you get familiar with the top prospects in this year's NFL draft. Last January, we did the same thing because this is the time of year when I dive into that stuff. During the NFL season, I can't really. During the regular season, when we're in the heart of the fantasy content. I just don't have time to go over that stuff in depth. Now I do. In January, I really start to dive into it. So we're going to have somebody on the podcast to talk to you about that, to get you familiar with some of those players. We're also going to preview some of the best free agents that are hitting the market this year, what that could mean, not just for them, but also for the players and the teams that they're leaving. It never ends, folks. I'm really, really excited to jump into all this stuff. But before we do, a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're using. And while you're there, I highly, highly recommend checking out some of the other shows on the Score Podcast Network. Pound the Rocks going strong right now, covering the NBA, Puck Pursuit all over the NHL, the Score MMA podcast with James Lynch. They're getting you hyped for that Conor McGregor, Cowboy Cerrone fight that's coming up. It's only a sliver of the shows that we have. There's a bunch of other ones, so go and check those out. All right, jumping into the rankings now. Let's go position by position. We'll start at quarterback, and normally I will read off a list of a few guys, and then I'll talk about them, but at quarterback, we have to start with the number one guy, Lamar Jackson. He gets a section all to himself here, and it's funny because... Last year, when we saw Patrick Mahomes go out and just have that monster, monster season in 2018, I didn't think that there'd be another quarterback that could come along and do that unless it was Mahomes himself. I thought Lamar Jackson was going to have a good year. I definitely didn't expect that it was going to be this good. He played in fewer games than Mahomes, and he actually scored more fantasy points this season. So unbelievable, just a historic season from him. And what's interesting is with Mahomes... We were worried about TD regression. He had all those touchdowns. We knew that that number was going to come back a bit. He dealt with some other things. There were injuries on the team, injuries to himself during the season. He managed to play through a lot of that, but that's a whole other thing. Looking at Lamar Jackson, there could be some regression for him coming as well. He's incredibly efficient as a passer. Those rushing stats, can he keep that up? injuries are going to be a consideration. If you're going to take Lamar Jackson with a high pick and you are going to have to use a high pick to get him next season, unless of course we don't want to see it happen, but unless he gets hurt in one of the remaining playoff games, he's going to be a pick that's probably going to go in the second round. Maybe you get lucky and into the third. 
I would take him in the second round. And here's why, because even if that efficiency in the passing game drops back a bit, he is going to throw more next season. We're going to see that he has barely scratched the surface as a passer. He has weapons like Marquise Brown, who he really didn't get to prepare for the season very much with Brown because Brown was dealing with that Liz Frank injury. So they kind of just went right into the year. We've seen them hit in some big ways in a few games, but not really show much consistency. We also have seen Miles Boykin, another rookie, bigger bodied guy. He's found the end zone a few times, but not a ton of consistency. And Mark Andrews, who is the tight end, who's really the de facto number one receiver in the offense, he's only played more than 50% of snaps in six games this season. So there is a lot of potential for this passing attack. And as teams try to find ways to slow down the Ravens rushing game, to slow down Jackson himself as a runner, they're going to open up a little more in the pass defense. And we're going to see Jackson put up some bigger totals there. So he's a guy, you're almost getting two players in one. You're almost getting a running back and a quarterback. And because of that, and I never thought that I would say this after Mahomes last year, when I was advising people that I wouldn't end up with Mahomes because quarterback was so deep and I would just look in a different direction. I'd still be pretty excited to get Lamar Jackson on my team. And I would be willing to spend a second round pick to do it. He's the only guy that I'd be willing to go that high on, but I would be willing to do it as surprising as that might sound to some who have listened to me over the years. The rest of the top five, we've got Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott, even though I don't know that Dak Prescott belongs. This isn't really tiers. I'm just going through the rankings right now. I'm going to do some articles coming up over the next week or two where I'm going to review the landscape at each position. So in those, I will talk about every single player that's fantasy relevant. I'll go through all of them. They end up being extremely long articles, but I think they're very valuable because we get to look back at last season and then look ahead a little bit to what we can expect from them moving forward. I look at it as Mahomes and Watson are in a category of their own kind of up there. I think both of them have a chance where they could challenge someone like Lamar Jackson. I don't know if that's going to happen, though, as long as Jackson stays healthy. Mahomes finished as the QB8 this year, but he only played in 14 games, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. On a per-game basis, he was the QB6. And like I said, played through injuries part of the year, did have Tyreek Hill out. For a part of the year, the backfield was kind of a mess. Damian Williams was hurt. They kind of went with a committee that didn't really work out. So that put more emphasis on him. So there's no need to worry about Mahomes. He's definitely a top three quarterback in 2020 for sure. As long as everyone's healthy. And I think next year they're going to have a little more luck on offense when it comes to injuries. For Deshaun Watson, he is outstanding. The only concern I have with him is his numbers with and without Will Fuller. Will Fuller, at this point, we have to start wondering how much we can rely on him being healthy. He's missed 20 regular season games in the last three years, and that's not even counting the ones where he gets injured early and has to leave the game. So my hope is that the Texans are going to see this, are going to see the injuries with Fuller this year, and address that position, go out, bring in more firepower for Watson, whether it's a pass-catching tight end, which they don't really have. I mean, Darren Fells caught a lot of touchdowns this year, but they don't have a difference maker at that position. Or if it's just going out and getting another receiver that's a little more reliable than Fuller, it's still going to be pretty hard to have Watson outside of the top three, top four quarterbacks. And that defense in Houston isn't great. So that forces Watson to take to the air quite a bit. Russell Wilson at four 
really, really harsh splits for him. He was a QB1 in fantasy at the midseason point, and then in the second half of the year, he was outside the top 12. It just shows the, the danger and the volatility in that offense because when things are going well, they lean on the rushing attack. They don't ask Wilson to do that much. You have to like the weapons he has, though. Ty Lockett, you got DK Metcalf coming on. So there's no doubt about Russ being a top five talent. We would just like to see them let him throw a little bit more. Dak Prescott just so, so underrated. Since entering the league, QB6 as a rookie, QB11 in 2017, QB10 in 2018, and then the QB2 this year. Hopefully his ADP reflects that. Hopefully people realize how good he's been in fantasy and how consistent he's been and they go out and draft him at the right spot as opposed to waiting too late in the draft because if they wait, I'm going to get him a lot of places. Uh, Kyler Murray is somebody that I have ranked as QB6. Now, I'm curious. I haven't really looked at the ECR to see where the other analysts have him. He's coming off a very, very nice year as a rookie, and I don't... I'm hesitant to say this because if I say this, I feel like people are going to jump on it, but Murray has the potential to make a second year leap like Lamar Jackson did. Now, he has those kind of skills, completed over 64% of his passes as a rookie, threw 20 touchdowns, rushed for over 500 yards, had four scores on the ground, and he did it behind a bad offensive line. He did it with a pretty weak supporting cast. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's near the end. They didn't get a lot from their running backs until Kenyon Drake showed up around midseason, and even he wasn't that consistent. He had a couple really big games. He played well for them, but he wasn't that consistent. And at receiver, other than Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, you had Christian Kirk, who got a lot of volume, but only had a couple big games. He dealt with injuries during the season. Maybe next year we'll see a little more Andy Isabella. Maybe next year we'll see a little more Akeem Butler, who was a very talented rookie this season who missed the year with injury. Maybe he can come back and give them something. Or maybe they're going to do what the Bills did going into Josh Allen's second year, where they went out and invested in that offensive line. They went out and got him a true number one receiver in John Brown. They really they drafted Devin Singletary at running back. They surrounded him with more talent, and it allowed him to take a step in his development. Hopefully we see the same for Kyler Murray, because he could be a top two, top three fantasy quarterback if that offense is really clicking. Josh Allen, I just mentioned him with the Bills. He's my quarterback seven. He finished as a quarterback six in 2019, and that's not that surprising. I talked in the offseason about how well he finished his rookie year, that over the last five games, he was the quarterback one in fantasy. He came back this year, and though he didn't have as many big games, though he didn't have as many monster performances, he showed a really high floor. It helps having that that rushing ability. It helps that they use him a lot around the goal line as a rusher as well. He scored nine times on the ground this year. He's going to continue to be a roller coaster ride to watch. Still going to make some very bad throws, but they're much fewer and further between. And the Bills, I know I'm a Bills fan, so take this for what you will, but they are building this team the right way. I love the way that they built around him heading into his second season. I expect they're going to make some smart moves on offense and on defense heading into next year. So they're really building the right culture there. They're really bringing Allen along in the right way. And that team loves playing for him. And as long as he continues to run the ball the way he is, he's going to be very, very fantasy relevant. Carson Wentz is my QB eight. I get that people are down on him. 
he gets hurt again to end the season. He waited till the playoffs to the actual game this time, but he left the game early, wasn't able to finish it. But let's look at what he accomplished this year. He throws for over 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, despite losing basically his entire receiving core to injuries. And despite all the injuries at wide out, the coaching staff still had him attempting 40 plus passes a game in each of the Eagles final seven contests. I was really also excited to see that he was running a little more this year. I mean, when he got hurt with the knee injury last season, even though he was healthy, still was less than a year removed from that knee injury and didn't rush the ball as much. But this season, 62 rushes, 243 yards and a score. It's the kind of thing he's not going to be Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, those kind of guys but he can run the ball. It can help lift his fantasy value. So with a healthy supporting cast next year, I'll be owning a lot of Carson Wentz. And and right now his, his value is way, way down. So I think we're going to be able to get him a lot later in drafts. Matt Ryan at QB nine, solid starter, just a boring player to me. It's hard to own a quarterback that doesn't run the ball at this point. It is a very difficult thing to do. Ryan's going to have some big games with the weapons he has solid low-end quarterback one, but not someone that I'm overly excited to draft. At 10, Jameis Winston. Does anybody have a bigger range of outcomes in 2020 than Winston? I mean, it's possible he could lead the league in passing yards. He could lead the league in passing touchdowns, or it's possible he's not even a starter in 2020. That's legitimately how big the spectrum is for him. I don't see him getting fixed at this point. I know last year we were excited. Bruce Arians coming in. Maybe we'll see a different version of Winston. There were times when we saw flashes, but that's how it's always been with Jameis Winston. At times, he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And at times, he looks like he doesn't even belong out on the field. So I don't think that at this point, we can have a lot of faith that it's going to get fixed. But what are their other options? Who are the Bucks going to pivot to at quarterback if they're going to get rid of Winston? That's what it's going to come down to. So he's going to continue to have these wild days. It's just a question of whether they're going to be able to move on from that turnover party that he is. I mean, what was the final count on the amount of times that he threw an interception on his first pass of the game this year? It's just silly. It's absolutely silly. But I owned him a few places because he would rebound from that and he'd still throw three, four touchdowns in those games. So he's a decent fantasy quarterback if he's a starter next year. Until we find out his fate, I'm going to keep him in my top 10, but a very, very risky pick. Drew Brees at quarterback 11, possible retirement, hard to say much until we know. I think he's going to stick around if he does, fringe quarterback one, but we're going to be watching that one. Aaron Rodgers is at 12 for me. I think people are going to be mad about this one. I know he still has the name, but he is not a top five fantasy quarterback anymore. He'll have days. He'll have days like he had that five touchdown game this season. He can still get that done, but week in, week out, it is not the same. If he was in the right system, if he had the right weapons, maybe he could still be one of the most prolific quarterbacks out there. Maybe he still has that talent, but like we saw this year, Even though he still has that fastball, he barely cracked 4,000 yards. He threw for one or no touchdowns in nine of his 16 games. That's killer for fantasy. He could still come out and have those big games, like I said, but the big week winning days are becoming more rare for him, at least over the last couple fantasy seasons. So he's a low-end QB1 at this point, might even fall into that high-end QB2 range. Cam Newton is someone, and I won't go through every single quarterback today. Like I said, you can go check out the rankings. You can go check out the Reviewing the Landscape articles that'll be coming out. 
Newton at quarterback 13 is someone I'm going to be investing a lot in. Because like I said, I really like the hire. I like that the Panthers are bringing in an offensive mind and Matt Rule. He's coming from Baylor where his philosophy was fantastic. They knew they weren't going to be able to get the the best recruits out there. They weren't going to be able to compete with some of those top end programs. So they found other ways to get it done. They got creative on offense and hopefully he's going to bring that kind of mentality to this Panthers team. So for Newton, don't forget, he got hurt this year. He missed most of the season with the foot injury. Last season ended with the shoulder injury. But prior to that, he was a top three fantasy quarterback for most of 2018. So we're not that far removed. He can still get it done. The weapons in Carolina are fantastic. Christian McCaffrey catching passes out of the backfield. DJ Moore emerging as a wide receiver one. Curtis Samuel, I mean, Curtis Samuel could have had a much bigger year if he wasn't playing with Kyle Allen. I mean, how many balls sailed over his head this season? So remember what Newton was before the injuries that was not that long ago. It was just a year ago that he was showing that. So it could be a very promising season for him if he can get back healthy. And if Matt Rule can do to this offense what I think he can, the talent's there. Matt Rule's going to take advantage of these weapons. So Newton's another guy that I'm targeting for 2020. Matthew Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, both of them coming off injuries here. I had concerns about Stafford because the way the Lions offense was moving in 2018, shifting to that run-heavy approach. I even traded him away in the one dynasty league that I'm in, and I was regretting it before he got hurt. He was playing very, very well. He had 19 touchdowns in just eight games. He was playing some pretty good football before he missed the second half of the year. Another guy that's surrounded by solid weapons. There's some upside for Stafford. In 2020, coming back healthy, it's probably somebody that's going to be very, very overlooked as well. Roethlisberger, similar situation. I like the weapons. I question what he has left in the tank, though. He's talked about retirement now for a couple years. He says he's going to come back and rehab from this injury. The Steelers have a lot of young talent at receiver, and we know Ben has been in the top 10 before, but I'm going to view him as more of a guy, kind of like with Rodgers, where He can still get it done at times. He can have these big games, but we're not going to see the same consistency from him. So more of a risky option, even though he still has that high weekly upside. Ryan Tannehill, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to trust Tannehill. I know he was the quarterback three from week seven on, but I have a hard time clicking his name. When drafts come around, it's just going to be impossible to do that. Can he be the Titan starter? Give them average quarterback play? Absolutely. I mean, Anything is better than what they were getting from Marcus Mariota, but I see Tannehill falling into more of that Andy Dalton kind of role where he's good enough to stabilize the offense. So right now it, it looks great compared to what you know they were getting from Mariota, but I don't see him sustaining that high-end production for long stretches. Kirk Cousins at 17. The weapons are there for Cousins. It all just depends on the coaching staff, whether they're willing to let him throw the ball more. I expect, based on his turnover history, they're going to continue to try to limit his attempts. That limits his fantasy value. Remember, though, he was without Adam Thielen for most of this year. When Thielen's healthy, with Stefan Diggs, with Kyle Rudolph at tight end, with rookie tight end Irv Smith Jr., who flashed a little bit this season, it's a pretty formidable group of pass catchers there. So there's still some upside for Cousins as well. Baker Mayfield, I was surprised actually to see that Mayfield was a top 10 fantasy quarterback over his last eight games this year. We can all agree it was a bad season for him. Odell Beckham really didn't turn into what we expected he would be with the Browns. We can blame some of it on the offensive line, but not all of it. 
And Mayfield's completion percentage dipped from 64% as a rookie to 59% as a sophomore. That is the wrong direction for that number to be going in. He nearly threw as many interceptions as he did touchdowns, 21 picks to 22 touchdowns. And that was with Beckham in-house. It's hard to imagine that this is how everything turned out for that Cleveland Browns offense this year. Hopefully a new coaching staff, whoever that is, we don't know yet. Hopefully they can right the ship. But for now, in my mind, Mayfield has to be viewed as a quarterback too, albeit he has that quarterback one upside if the Browns can solve their issues. Jimmy Garoppolo, I got a little bit of flack for having him too low in these rankings in the initial run here. I know he was a quarterback one in the second half of the season. It speaks to how deep fantasy is though. When you're talking about quarterbacks, this position, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think you can rank him anywhere near that quarterback one range. Could we see Debo Samuel take another step? Could we see some of these other weapons they have in that offense improve? Maybe, yes, but I still see Garoppolo as a quarterback too who's going to have some good weeks, but not somebody that you're going to draft and be able to rely on week in and week out. Rounding things out, we'll go to quarterback 20 here and then cut it off. Tom Brady, similar to Drew Brees. We don't know if he's going to retire. He's saying he wants to play. Is that going to be with the Patriots? We don't know. Either way, I am not touching Tom Brady. There's not a situation where he could go to at this point where I'm willing to grab him and use him in fantasy unless it's just a one-week option at that. And you'll see there's a lot of guys here who could step up, move up a little higher in the rankings that are outside of the top 20, like Jared Goff and Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky. There's a bunch of these guys, but the quarterback position is so deep that the best way to approach this is Turn your leagues into two QB or super flex leagues. That way it puts a little more onus on the position. It makes you think a little bit more and try to get a couple of these guys that you can use because at this point, just finding one quarterback is not that hard. Okay, let's slide over to running back here. The top four guys, I mean, I have McCaffrey as a clear number one. I don't think there's a question about that. The next three, there's a lot of kind of tiers at this point. At running back, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott. I have them two, three, four. You could really put them in any order. The projections are very, very close. I think Barkley has the most natural talent of that group. Another situation where we're going to have to see what this offense is going to look like under a new coaching staff, but there's not a situation where they're going to go away from Saquon Barkley. And he played a, a bunch of this season injured. So hopefully we're going to get a little bit healthier version of him and we'll see some more production from him in 2020. Alvin Kamara at RB5. I know this is tough. I mean, Kamara had incredibly bad luck in the touchdown department this season. And I owned him a couple places. I know firsthand, did not expect him to go nine weeks without crossing the goal line in the middle of the season. Finally made up for it at least a little bit, had four touchdowns in the final two weeks of the regular season. And he scored in the playoff loss as well. So maybe he was coming around there, but we have to agree. He seemed like he was playing at less than 100% down the stretch. Just didn't seem like the full version of himself in a lot of those games. I'm going back to the well next year, though. We know what Kamara can do. We know what a talented player he is. We're going to have to find out about that Breeze decision because it could impact this, obviously, in a variety of ways. Maybe they need to rely on him more, but Teddy Bridgewater did an okay job. We'll see if Bridgewater's the guy that takes over there. Just anything could happen in that Saints offense. So until we know about the quarterbacks, it's hard to really pin down this ranking, but I'd still like Kamara in 2020. Nick Chubb is another guy. I have him at RB6. It's tough. It's tough because we don't know what's going to happen with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's a restricted free agent. 
He looked very, very good this season when he came back. But even when Hunt was in the lineup, it didn't hurt Chubb that much. It brought his ceiling down a little bit. Hunt siphoned some touches, scored a couple touchdowns, but Chubb continued to produce. I'm not going to fault him for a couple down games at the end of the year when the wheels were completely coming off that Browns team, pretty much the entire team. So I'm not going to fault him for that. He produced incredibly consistently throughout the year. There weren't many players that you can say that about to the level that he was coming up and really on an offense that wasn't firing on all cylinders there. So if Hunt isn't around, Chubb arguably could get into that top five mix. If Hunt returns, Chubb's going to be more of a low end running back one and we're going to see a little bit more of a committee than we'd probably like because hopefully Hunt can go off and, and get his own role somewhere. Aaron Jones at RB7, this is going to be higher than a lot of people, I think. I know touchdown regression is coming for him. He had 19 total touchdowns this year. He was scoring in bunches too, which was incredibly helpful for fantasy owners. And he even ended the year on a tear with over 100 rushing yards in three of his last four regular season outings. I will admit though, I know that the touchdown regression is coming. He's not going to find the end zone 19 times next year, but this guy is one of the best running backs in the league. I've been saying that for a while. He finally got a chance to prove it this year, as long as they keep him involved as a pass catcher, which is something that he excelled in throughout the season. There were times when they went away from it, but when he was involved as a pass catcher, he was helping push that offense forward. So he's going to remain an RB1. He has the talent to do it. I think they'll continue to give him a little bit more volume pull back on Jamal Williams because Aaron Jones is someone that is pushing this offense forward. He's kind of the engine there. I know everyone thinks that Aaron Rodgers is the guy in Green Bay, and obviously that offense wouldn't be the same without him, but Aaron Jones might be the most dangerous weapon they have on offense in Green Bay. Leonard Fournette at RB8, Derrick Henry at RB9, kind of interchangeable here. Man, was I wrong about these guys. Leonard Fournette before this season, there were some people who were high on him. I was not one of them. I was worried about those injury issues. And I know you can't always predict injuries, but Fournette had such a history going back to college. I just thought he was too risky to invest big in. He proved me wrong. He went out and had just a fantastic year. What I didn't pay attention enough to last offseason was his workouts. He changed his mindset. There was a bunch of interviews where he talked about kind of maturing and realizing what he needed to do. I wrote that off as off-season puff pieces, and you have to you have to weed through that stuff. You have to try to decipher it, and I wish I would have put a little more attention on those articles because he definitely was a different player, and he made it through the season unscathed this time around, rededicated himself, improved his body. Kudos to him for doing that, and... With the workload he gets, a healthy Fournette is a solid RB1. There's no doubt about it. Derrick Henry, I'm a little bit lower on Henry than most, but really in this range, RB5 to RB11, all of these guys are incredibly close. The projections for these guys are close. They're going to be shuffled up and changed a bunch of times, I imagine, throughout the offseason as I'm diving deeper into the data. This is the second year now where Henry has come on when it mattered most, had a slow start to the season, and then came on late in the year. And that's what fantasy owners are going to remember. They're going to remember those big games down the stretch that helped them win a fantasy title. But just remember, he's not involved that much as a passer, which makes him a little harder to get excited about. 
He's good, but early in the season, he topped 90 rushing yards just once in the first nine games. Then he went ham after that. So he is not as much of a sure thing as other guys near the top of that list. I know he has the potential to put up 200-yard games, and maybe next year again when it comes to late November and into December, he'll do it again. But he's not someone that I am going to actively go out and try to get for the price tag that he's going to come at, which is potentially late first round definitely in the second round. I'm not going to pay up. There's just other options I like more in that range. Someone that I might even end up moving ahead of Henry is Joe Mixon. I want to move Mixon higher. Talent-wise, he could be in the top five running backs. He should get an upgrade at quarterback. They have the first overall pick, so figure they're probably going to go out and get Joe Burrow. And even as a rookie, I would say Burrow might be able to give them a little more than Andy Dalton, just as a higher ceiling there. His 2019, though, we're talking about Mixon, It was a tale of two seasons. The weirdest thing about it was the first half of the year, he averaged 15 touches per game. In the second half of the season, that ballooned to 24 touches per game, and he only had one game where he had fewer than 18 carries in those final nine contests. So hopefully the volume's here to stay. Hopefully they're going to continue to lean on him, make him the focal point of the offense. They can upgrade the offensive line a little bit. Maybe they get A.J. Green back. We, We don't know if he's going to come back, if he's going to sign with the team. But this offense has pretty much nowhere to go but up. I like the offensive minds they have there. And I think getting a new quarterback is going to give them sort of a shot in the arm. Mixon has to be up there, has to be in your top 10 running backs for 2020. Josh Jacobs is the 11th guy mentioned from 5 to 11. It's very close. Gotta love what you saw from Jacobs as an explosive ball carrier only issue is he's kind of similar to Henry in the sense that they were not using him much in the passing game. Now, it might be pass protection issues. We see that pop up with rookies a lot. So hopefully he'll have that passing game usage increase in year two. Either way, the offense is built around him. So he is a strong pick, you know, in that range, late second round into the third round, because there's still some upside. There's still, we might not have seen the best from him yet. He's a young player, a very explosive one. And someone that you're going to want to own on your team's next season. Hopefully he can stay healthy all the way through the year because he missed a little portion at the end of the year with that shoulder issue. Melvin Gordon at 12. Really, we can't lock down a ranking on Gordon until we know where he's going to end up. And I have a hard time believing that the Chargers are going to pay him at this point. So I think he's going to chase the money and try to go to another team. Whether someone's willing to pay him big dollars, we'll see. But The holdout was obviously foolish. He came back the first few games back. He wasn't in playing shape. He had to kind of work his way back into playing shape. And then in the second half of the year, he was actually pretty good. He played pretty well in the second half of the season was the RB7 in half point PPR. So Gordon is someone that can go to another team and can be an RB1 for fantasy. We're just gonna have to find out what situation he's gonna end up in. Miles Sanders, Another guy that it's hard to lock down right now because we don't know what's going to happen in this Eagles backfield, but Jordan Howard is a UFA. He's going to be unrestricted. He could be leaving this Eagles team, and that would put Sanders where he was late in the year, which was the unquestioned starting running back for this Philly offense. And I talked about the Eagles offense earlier with Carson Wentz. If that receiving core gets healthy, the offense should be more dangerous could only help Sanders, more scoring opportunities for him. So I'm viewing him as an RB2 in 2020. And for all the concerns we had about his ball security issues in college, he only had one game where he fumbled as a rookie. So no worries there at all. Chris Carson, now I don't understand. Maybe people are going to try to talk me down on Carson as the offseason goes along here. But 
I had a few people already tell me that they were surprised that I had him so high. What am I missing though? I know he has a hip issue to end the season, but Rashad Penny tore his ACL at the end of the year. So we're not sure that Penny's going to be good to go to start next season. Marshawn Lynch is not coming back next year. This is a very short term thing that Lynch is back for in the playoffs. So how can you not have Carson as a high end RB2, maybe even in the RB1 range? I don't know if everybody's going to be with me on this one, but I have him at RB14 and I'm going to have a hard time moving him any lower than that based on how that offense is and based on how he's performed when he's been healthy. Other than the fumbling issue, Carson continues to produce. Talked about Melvin Gordon. How about Austin Eckler? If Gordon leaves, Eckler could become the RB1 that we saw him be early in the season when Gordon was holding out. We're going to have to wait and see what happens with Gordon. My only concern is that Eckler, they might want to team him up with another back. Now, like I mentioned, in the second half of the season, Melvin Gordon was the RB7 in fantasy. Well, looking at Eckler, he was the RB10. So they were both getting it done. So it's not like Eckler couldn't share this backfield with someone. And maybe if he was the lead back over them, he could still produce RB1 numbers. Right now, I have him at RB15, whether it's Justin Jackson they pair him with, whether it's a rookie that they draft, maybe. I think that would be more likely scenario that they would go out and get someone else if Gordon leaves. But right now, Eckler has to be viewed as a top 15 running back in half point and in PPR leagues. Todd Gurley at RB16, he's not the same back that he was, but he's not that far off. And Sean McVay realized that in the second half of the season, started giving him more work. The struggles of the Rams offense as a whole that's, I think, what hurt him a little more this year. But he made up for it. He had 14 touchdowns, and that really saved his fantasy value. He's just not somebody that I'm going to be very interested in going out and getting because he doesn't have the upside anymore to be the the top five guy that he was last year, two years ago. He's not that player anymore, but he's a pretty solid RB2. So as long as you're getting him as your RB2, I'm okay with it. Devin Singletary, I would rather invest in younger backs like this. And I have Singletary at RB17. Looking at him as a Bills fan, I did not expect Singletary to be as dynamic as he turned out to be as a rookie. He was consistently gaining more yards than block for him, was shifty in the open field, always found creases to keep gaining more yards on plays. And he had the perfect tutor and Frank Gore. That's something that could help not just his short-term outlook, but his entire career. And I don't just mean for fantasy, I mean his NFL career in general. The one knock on him, though, from a fantasy perspective is what I talked about with Josh Allen. Allen steals so many touchdowns around the goal line. The rookie only scored four touchdowns this season. Two of them were through the air. So the touchdowns really caps his ceiling for fantasy, unfortunately. Still view him as a low-end RB2 with some upside. Mark Ingram at RB18, I know he's hurt right now. It'd be interesting to see what happens at the end of the year here, whether he's going to be able to come back and play for them, whether he's going to be limited the rest of the way. We don't know, but he should be healthy for next season. The only thing that could happen here is his injury might open the door for someone like Justice Hill to get a little more work late in the playoffs, and that could lead to Justice Hill being more involved next year as well. But Ingram delivered, was a top 10 fantasy back this year, even with a limited role as a pass catcher, this rushing attack, it's just that prolific. So we'll see how the season ends, but for now he remains in my top 20. Uh, Kenyon Drake, 
Man, I had such a hard time ranking Drake. It's purely speculative as well, because we don't know where he's going to be in 2020. I would have to think that he stays in Arizona, but he's an unrestricted free agent, so you don't know. The Cardinals have to try hard to bring him back. And if David Johnson exits the picture, and I think that's possible, I know the contract's big for Johnson, so maybe he will stick around, and maybe he'll get a little healthier, and this will become more of a committee, but right now... I don't know that Johnson is going to come back and get this job, even if he is healthy. With how Drake played down the stretch, he was perfect for this offense. It's great that he was given a chance to showcase those skills in Arizona because he was just such such a good fit in that offense. So you hope he stays there and he runs wild, and, and that's how I've ranked him so far. Le'Veon Bell at 20, kind of like I talked about with Todd Gurley, just a guy that used to be a top five back that you have to readjust your expectations for him now. As long as he's playing for Adam Gase, I can't rank Bell much higher than this. Gase seems to hate him, constantly takes shots at Bell in the media. So who knows if Bell's even going to be on this team next year, which might be better for his fantasy stock if he goes somewhere else. Because in New York, he's dealing with a bad offensive line. He's dealing with an offense that really underperformed this year. I know that Sam Darnold was out early in the season, but it really underperformed. It had a couple big weeks, but overall, not that great from this Jets offense this season. Struggled against pretty much any quality opponent they went up against. So as long as you're treating him as an RB2, kind of a volume-based RB2, that's what Bell is now. And don't look at him as anything more than that unless the situation changes. Marlon Mack at RB21 had a very nice season, went over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career. I kind of expected more though. I know they lost Andrew Luck before the season, but behind this line, one of the best lines in football, you'd think he could have delivered a bigger year. Maybe if he had suited up for all 16 games, he only played in 14. Maybe if he had, but he's another guy with limited involvement in that receiving game. So that's why he's in this range. With James Conner, I have him at RB22. I don't know whether it was the injuries, but the Steelers did not seem interested in giving him a big workload. The lack of Big Ben under center really changed this offense, so we'll see if Connor can get back on track in 2020. For now, hard to trust him as anything more than a low-end RB2. on Johnson, similar situation. Karen's another guy, has injury concerns. Two straight years where he missed a significant portion of the season on IR. The talent is there. Unfortunately for him, Matt Patricia, still the Lions coach, so we probably haven't seen the best to carry on, and Maybe we won't unless there's a regime change in that Lions organization. Uh, Philip Lindsay at RB24, Kareem Hunt, who we talked about, RB25. I really want to see Hunt break free. I know I talked about this when we were talking about Nick Chubb, but I want to see Kareem Hunt break free of that Browns organization and go out, find a starting role somewhere. Because when he came in after that suspension, he still could get it done. He was the same player that we saw for Kansas City. So, Let's see him go out and get a job somewhere. We just don't know if that's going to happen. And if he sticks around, if he ends up staying with this team, you got to look at him as maybe that Austin Eckler kind of type where he's going to be a a low-end RB2 when you're talking about half PPR and PPR leagues. That's about his ceiling in this offense, unless you had a Nick Chubb injury. But if he goes out and gets a starting job somewhere else, might be talking about him as an RB1. You love to see it when something positive happens to a player that is very, very skilled, who got his chance on special teams, and then finally gets to go into the starting lineup on offense. I'm talking about Raheem Mostert, who I have at RB26. Anyone that's in this Shanahan running game is productive. And Mostert is making the most of his chances down the stretch. 
let's hope that he stays healthy. Let's hope that he's able to enter next season as the starter. I think the biggest takeaway is just a reminder that you should always invest in any back that is on Kyle Shanahan's team. So whether it was Tevin Coleman, whether it was Matt Breda, whether it's Mostert, or whether it was Jeff Wilson, they all kind of had their moment. Even Wilson scored a couple touchdowns in that one game. Anyone that gets in this offense at running back is going to produce, and Mostert seems incredibly explosive, perfectly fit for this offense. The only worry with him right now is, is he going to be the starter next year? We don't know. We don't know if he enters the year as a starter, doesn't perform for a game or two. Maybe they shift to someone else. That's always possible in a Shanahan attack. So for now, I have to rank him here. But make no mistake, if Mostert is the clear starter, and we'll see how he ends the year for the 49ers in the playoffs, if he's the clear starter, he's going to go out next season and challenge for RB1 fantasy numbers. That could happen if he holds on to that job. David Montgomery at RB27, I don't have strong feelings about him. He wasn't able to break as many tackles in the pros as he did in college. That was to be expected, but tackle breaking was a huge part of his success at the last level. So he's a good back. I haven't seen anything that really moves the needle for me yet. Not pounding the table for him. Decent upside pick just because he's going to his second year. Maybe we'll see a little more from him, but like a lot of those other backs I mentioned, lacks involvement in the receiving game. So I want to see him get more involved there before I could really move him up in my rankings. Darius Geis, he just has to stay healthy. It's so unfortunate. I've mentioned this in the podcast when he got hurt this year, but right now you just got to hope that he can stay on the field for a long portion, maybe get in a full season next year and we can go from there. I am not going to be taking any chances unless he falls very, very far in drafts. I'm not going to be taking any chances on him, not just because the injury concerns, but also because that offense right now, we don't know what that offense is. But what we do know is now I understand why the Redskins gave Adrian Peterson that two-year deal last year. I thought that was kind of strange with Geis coming back, but now we know the, the team wasn't convinced that he was going to be able to stay healthy and for good reason. James White, RB29, Devonta Freeman, RB30, Damian Williams, RB31. Not that much to talk about here. Damian Williams is at RB31 for now. A lot could change there. If they don't bring in anyone in the offseason, he'll move up in the rankings. They probably will bring in someone, though. You think they might draft a back in the first couple rounds, maybe the first three rounds. You can see an immediate difference in the offense, though. When Williams came back, he really helped clean things up there. He gave them more versatility in the backfield, and it became his backfield once again. It went from a committee to him really being the star there, but he's not an elite talent. So I would understand why they would want to go out and get someone else. And really, you think anyone that's going to be given a big workload in this offense that has a reasonable amount of talent, and unfortunately, LaShawn McCoy doesn't fit that bill anymore at this point in his career, but someone like Damian Williams can put up those big numbers in this attack. So if they go out and get someone who does have that elite talent, we might be looking at them as an RB1 in 2020. Outside of that, a couple guys we could touch on here. Ronald Jones at RB32. We're going to have to see where his ADP is. I know he had a better season this year. He showed that he is the best back in that backfield, but I don't know that I want to trust anyone in that Buccaneers backfield right now because even still, Peyton Barber was still getting involved. Dario Gunbawale was involved as a receiver. There's a chance they could go out and get somebody to take that lead back job. I don't know that they're convinced that Jones is the guy. 
David Johnson, who we talked about earlier at RB33, you take your shot on him. Maybe he gets healthy, but he's, I believe, 28 years old at this point. So we're going to see. I don't know that things are trending in the right direction. He was very frustrated when he wasn't able to get back in the field as much this year after Kenyon Drake showed up. So I worry that David Johnson's days as an impact fantasy player might be over. Sony Michelle at RB34, what's going to happen with Tom Brady? Might this have to change to more of a run base, you know, ground attack. They've started doing that more in recent years. Could Michelle get more involved? I don't really know how the coaching staff feels about him because they continue to employ that committee there. I don't know that we're ever going to see him put up consistent week in, week out numbers as a 20 touchback or anything like that. And also somebody that's not that involved in the passing game. Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, RB35, RB36, just rounding out the RB3 range. Both those guys, Carlos Hyde's going to be a UFA. I don't think he's going to get a better opportunity than what he got this year with the Texans. So not somebody that I'm really looking to invest in. Duke Johnson, if they decide that he could be the guy, we were excited about him when he went to Houston in that deal. Hopefully, hopefully they give him a chance to be the true lead back there, but probably another situation where they're going to go out and invest. And even in my rankings, if you go on the score right now and check them out, I don't have any of the rookies in there yet. I don't have the 2020 prospects. I will add them after they get drafted. It's just a fool's errand trying to throw them in the rankings without knowing the situation of where they're going to go to. So right now there's a lot up in the air and we'll see what happens with some of these other players, but that's the running back position. Now I planned initially to go over all the positions in one episode, but Leave it to me. I've been talking for so long here. We're running a little bit long. So that's all for today's show. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put this into a part two where we'll talk about wide receivers and tight ends. We'll break it up that way. Remember, you can go check out the full rankings on the Score app, including my top 200. You can also be on the lookout for the Reviewing the Landscape articles that I mentioned. That series is going to go up in the next week or so. And make sure you subscribe to alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app so you're getting notified whenever I'm putting up content. And follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. A big thanks to all my coworkers at the Score for helping support me, for helping lift me up, even for chirping me when the moment required it, giving me a little added motivation. A piece of that first place finish on Fantasy Pros goes to all of you. A big thanks to everybody out there for all the kind words, for all the congratulation messages that I've got over the last couple weeks. I appreciate that from all of you. Hopefully, my rankings helped get you to a fantasy title this season. Lots more to come, though. We got all kinds of stuff we're going to go over in the next few weeks. So I appreciate you listening, and we will see you for part two. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. Said leave on time.